0: But as for you, continue in what you have learned, having been acquainted with the sacred writings. Preach the word. In The name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. You may be seated. We continue this morning with the third installment of our four-week mini-series on Saint Timothy's uh, second, the second letter of Saint Paul to Timothy as we walk uh, with our lectionary through this epistle. You might recall the basic shape of Paul's instructions to Timothy in this letter, a shape that I think we can all appropriate for ourselves. Receive, nurture and develop, and then pass along. We receive the good news about Jesus Christ, that he is God, that he has died and that he has been raised to, to new life, meaning we too do not have to remain dead in our sin or dead in our mortality, but we can have hope for eternal life. We receive this, this good news, and then we, we nurture and develop it. It's like uh, the gospel, this good news is, uh, is, a, is a really densely and tightly packed little gift, and we have to unfold it, uh, tease it out, draw out the implications, seeing how this good news impacts all aspects of our lives, uh, how it impacts how we think about ourselves, how we think about our neighbors, our work, our education, our country, our money, our world. This good news has far-reaching implications into all the areas of our lives, and we need to develop and apply it, uh, apply this good news far and wide. And we need to nurture it through prayer, through scripture, through worship, through community, through our relationships. We nurture this good news in our lives so that we can develop it and apply it as well. And then we pass it along. This good news is good news for us and for our benefit, but it's good news for all people. And we have the the privilege, the honor, and the duty to carry this good news of Christ's resurrection as we extend ourselves in love to a world longing for the deep peace of God. That's in our mission statement once more. We pass along and carry this good news first to our family and friends and to our own church community, to our work, our neighbors, our strangers near and far. Receive, nurture, and develop. Pass along. Now, our lectionary reading today has us starting off in the middle of the third chapter of St. Paul's letter to Timothy, starting in verse 14, if you want to see it in your pew Bibles. But verse 14 starts, but as for you. And whenever you read a paragraph that starts with but, you know there was something going on beforehand that you really ought to pay attention to. The word but's a conjunction. It conjoins two things, but the conjunction is used to join two ideas that are opposites. And in fact, if you allow your eyes to scan up the the page a little bit there, this same construction starts out in verse 10. Our translation has you, however, but it's the same form as the original in verse 14. You, however, or or, but as for you, this is translating the same phrase to the same effect. So here's a bunch of stuff that's one way. You, however, are supposed to be the opposite of that. And what's this opposing stuff that Timothy is supposed to be the opposite of? Luck comes way back in the first part of chapter 3, verses 1 through 9. So in that section, Paul is talking about those who have who've not received the gospel, as Timothy has, or, or who have not nurtured and developed it, as Timothy has done, nor in fact as Paul himself has done, nor how all followers of Christ are supposed to do. These folk, as Paul puts it in verse 2, are, hang on, Lovers of self, lovers of money, proud, arrogant, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, heartless, unappeasable, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not loving good, treacherous, reckless, swollen with conceit, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having the appearance of godliness but denying its power. Paul's not pulling any punches here. (laughs) And then I love what he says at the end of verse 5. Avoid such people. (laughs) Yeah avoid such people. But, but more than that, Paul tells Timothy that those who have received the good news about Jesus Christ, who nurture and develop the gospel, will not live like this, but will very much live the opposite of this. And in verse 10, Paul counts himself as one of those followers of God living opposed to this long list. You might recall from the first chapter of the epistle that he said that he follows God even as his ancestors did. He had received this from his ancestors. Paul is one who has followed God, received the good news, and thus has lived, not like this long list of vices, but instead has lived in the gospel by displaying, verse 10, faith, patience, love, and steadfastness. These are the attributes of someone who has received and nurtured the gospel in their lives. And this is the example that Paul has set for Timothy. So for Timothy, instead of living according to this long list of vices, he's followed Paul's teaching, his conduct, his aim of life. And Paul encourages him, encourages him here in fourteen, verse 14 to continue living according to what he's learned. What he's learned from Paul, uh, what he's learned from his family, and of central concern here, what he's learned from the sacred writings of Holy Scripture. Now, if I might, I think we have to understand that what it is that Paul is talking about here when he reminds Timothy that he's become acquainted with the sacred writings, which has made him wise to this good news about Jesus Christ. What Paul is talking about here, as I understand it, is what we would consider the Old Testament. I mean, think about the timing here. If Paul is writing this letter to Timothy near the end of his life, say in the 60s AD, then the New Testament hadn't even been compiled yet, and some of it hadn't even been written. We can't know for certain which of Paul's letters Timothy had seen, although he's mentioned in many of them. But regardless, what he did have access to was the instruction in the Christian faith that he'd received from his mother, his grandmother, Paul himself, as well as what he's received in the Hebrew Scriptures, the Old Testament. And yet for us, I take this term scripture in verse 16 to be like a a category term. That is, all scripture encompasses any writings that we take to fall into this category of scripture. So for Paul, for instance, uh, when he was first converted to to follow Christ, when he first received the good news about Christ on that Damascus robe, the only writings in the scripture category were the ones from the Hebrew scriptures. However, as Paul and the gospel writers and Peter and James and the author of the letter to the Hebrews, whoever that is, as they wrote their texts, and they too were inspired by God, breathed out by God, as Paul describes, they too fall into this category of scripture. And hence for us, in addition to the Old Testament, we have the New Testament, and including this very letter that Paul wrote to Timothy, as within the category of scripture, which is then useful for all the good things that Paul outlines. Now, I don't think it's possible for an Anglican preacher to talk about scripture without referencing the following collect. So, sorry, I'm an Anglican preacher, and I can only do what's possible. (laughs) But here's a familiar collect that, in our prayer book, comes in the second Sunday of Advent. Blessed Lord, who caused all holy scriptures to be written for our learning, grant us so to hear them, read, mark, learn, and inwardly digest them, that we may embrace and ever hold fast the blessed hope of everlasting life which you have given us in our Savior, Jesus Christ, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, forever and ever. Amen. I think we need to remember that this attention to the scriptures is a very Anglican emphasis here. We place an emphasis on both the word and the sacrament. It might be a bit of a stereotype, but sometimes we might think of the Roman Catholic and the Eastern Orthodox churches perhaps emphasizing the sacraments and those Protestant, Reformed, Baptist, et cetera, churches maybe emphasizing the word, but we Anglicans opt for the classic, why not both, posture to word and sacrament. And so yes, we have Holy Communion every week and we place a high emphasis on baptism and confirmation and all the other sacramental rites. But, although that's probably not the right conjunction, maybe and, or moreover, and we hear three passages of scripture every Sunday. We chant a psalm every Sunday. We process our gospel out into the nave, representing that the good news about Jesus Christ found in the scriptures is to go out into all the world. And we strive in our education and our meditation to become acquainted with the sacred writings. So that, as the colic says, we may embrace and ever hold fast the blessed hope of everlasting life. This then, I think for us, is one of the central ways in which we receive and nurture the good news in us. Scripture is breathed out by God, inspired by God, and as Article 6 of our 39 states, contains all things necessary to salvation. But not only is some sort of like bare minimum for salvation is the benefit of Scripture. As Paul says, Scripture is good for equipping us for every good work. When we think about this process of developing the good news, of seeking ways to apply it in all areas of our lives, we're not left with just a simple one-sentence proposition of the gospel, like Jesus is Lord. Yeah, that's in some sense the entirety of the gospel is contained in that pithy phrase from Romans 10. But we also sometimes need help thinking about how to unfold, how to tease out and apply that truth to every area of our lives. This is what Paul reminds Timothy and us that scripture is good for. Paul says here that scripture is good for training in righteousness. I think that's just another way of expressing the development of the gospel in every facet of our lives. Paul says scripture is good for reproving, rebuking, and exhorting. What do all those churchy words mean? Again, I think it's just another way of expressing that once we have received the good news, we have to turn and apply it to nurture it deep into our lives, and to develop it into all areas. Scripture tells us the good news, tells us how we need to develop it, and tells us that this is of vital importance to our salvation. And this is why we need to read, mark, learn, and inwardly digest Scripture, so that it can be integrated into our lives, that we then know how to live, how to respond in whatever situations we face. Recall again the repeated instructional arc of this letter. Receive the gospel, nurture and develop the gospel in your lives, pass along the gospel, carry the good news to others. We, like Timothy, have received the good news from those who have come before us, and we, like Timothy, have scripture to help us to understand how to apply the good news to our lives and to live righteously, as Paul did, with faith, patience, love, and steadfastness. And then we, like Timothy, are charged to pass along the good news to others. Chapter 4, verse says, uh, verse 2 says this, Preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. We maybe have kind of reach this strange meta level where you're hearing a sermon preached about a passage of Scripture, about preaching a passage of Scripture. Let's talk about layers there, right? But let me just end with this point here. Preaching certainly includes the kinds of things you're presently enduring. But preach not, need not only be thought of this kind of activity. There's a very simple sense in which preaching just means the communication of the gospel. You may have heard that quip, attributed to St. Francis of Assisi, preach the gospel at all times when necessary, use words. That's a great line. Who knows if St. Francis actually said it? There are lots of things that people say that lots of people say they said, which they didn't actually say. It's like, the, it's like the relics of the true cross. You've heard that this? If you gathered up all the relics of the true cross, you'd have enough wood to rebuild Noah's Ark. <laughs> Whether St. Francis actually said this, I think it's a great line. Preach the gospel at all times when necessary, use words. And so every Christian is called upon to clearly and publicly, with and without words, communicate the good news about Jesus Christ, to carry this good news of Christ's resurrection as we extend ourselves in love to a world longing for the deep peace of God. This is the mission of all souls, and I think the vocation of every Christian as well. Amen.